Good evening, and welcome to the television graveyard. We are still your TV necromancers, Noah Houlihan and Laura Prince. But this month on Stay Doomed is that most special of months. While others celebrate romance, we celebrate, well, what happens when you don't love movies enough. They get nominated for Razzies, and that's where we are. Welcome to the first movie that has driven us to drink on microphone. Mm-hmm. Gotti. With me as always is Noah Houlihan. There's only two ways out of this life. Death or prison. I did both. Okay, so when doing my research, I kind of understood why they did that line. Oh, oh, okay. Now, before we get like deep into this, uh, I have major issues with this film. And I want to let you know, we're probably not going to recap it in order because I think that's impossible. Um, it, I mean, we could try to recap it in chronological order of events. Do you really think you can do that? Possibly. <laughs> um, so one of the things with Gotti, uh, it has the coveted uh, 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well earned. Uh, which is actually like kind of an accomplishment. It got 0. That's not a common thing. Well, to give it a good score, you'd have to understand this film. So, 0. Uh, and one of the biggest criticisms with the movie, which I agree with, is that it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it really doesn't. Let's let's try to jump into this. It starts with a scene of John Travolta as John Gotti talking to the camera. It kind of looks like he's doing his YouTube channel in front of a green screen. Yeah. Hi, I'm John Gotti. This is my YouTube channel. Welcome to Jackass. Hit that like button. <laughs> like, comment, and subscribe. Smash that like button. Yeah. Whack that like button. Whack that like button. And, uh, you know, become part of the notification mob by ringing that bell. I'm going to play this right now. Let me tell you something. New York is the greatest fucking city in the world. My city. I was a kid in these streets. I started in a fucking gutter. And I made it to the top. This life ends one of two ways. Dead or in jail. I did both. Alright, so here's the thing. One... He used the F word twice, and he only used four sentences. Right. Second is that last line. The only way out of here, out of this life is prison or death. I did both. Let me, let's start with, I immediately looked at you and went, he thinks people in prison don't die. So, uh, this is set in front of, like, an evening New York scene. Right. Where he's, like, standing on, like, a well-lit bridge or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be Gotti talking from the grave. Right. So, he did both. He went to jail and he died in jail. Right. So he did both. Now, you you said he means the life of a mobster. Yes. That's what he means by the life. Yes. However... Because they do use that phrase multiple times throughout the film. And I, I kind of understood that, and I was like, oh, okay, this kind of makes sense. However, he goes to prison and then dies of cancer. Yes. The mob does not kill him. Right. So he did not do boat. He went to prison to get out of the life. And then he died. I mean, he didn't go back to the life after prison, I guess. No, he was. it was a life sentence. 
I think it was a couple life sentences. It was five light sentences. Because I this is the only good line in the entire film is we're going to... When he's indicted. When he's indicted. This is the end of the film. Or no, when he's... Uh, the verdict is read. The verdict is read. That's right. And it's... John Joseph Guy has been found guilty. The sentence will be five life terms to be served consecutively with no possibility of parole. In addition, you will also be assessed the $50 report fees. you have anything to say? Yeah, Your Honor. The five lifetime bids, that's okay, but the $50 surcharge, you really know how to stick it to a guy. <laughs> Which is like a ballsy thing to say to a judge who just comment, like who just condemned you. I mean, I guess your feeling is, well, what do you got to lose now? <laughs> and like, it plays into something we don't see much of, but we hear a lot about. Of Gotti being a charming everyman, mm-hmm. which the film tries to sell us, but it's very much through tell, not show. Yeah, they don't show us anything. Yeah, I mean, it's very much through tell. Because... People tell us how great Gotti is. After, after Gotti uh, tells you he, that he did boat, Pitbull starts rapping. Yeah, guys, the compo- composer of this film, and when I looked it up, there was a solid two and a half minutes of me trying to tell Noah, because I couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. The composer of this film is Mr. Worldwide! Yeah, it's Gotti, featuring Pitbull! Hey, 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 we're gonna have a good time, don't no, it's stop a song the about, like, It's a song about, like, killing cops. Which, like, Pitbull's the most corporate rapper I can think of. Yeah, I'll get copyright stripes if I, uh, stripes. I'll get, uh, copyright strikes if I include it. So there's a link to it somewhere. Um, Because, God, you gotta hear this song. As your friend, I would like to remind you, please don't play it at your job. Mm. And if your job involves children... Please don't play it at your job. Yeah, don't play it at all. You don't want to get the song stuck in your head. <laughs> it's, see, to me, it wasn't that memorable. <laughs> I have no idea how it goes. <laughs> so, uh, so the first thing I noticed is they talk about making your bones. Yeah. Um, so, where are my Riverdale kids at? Ugh. Uh, season two had Archie, like, becoming a mobster, and... It was somehow a more coherent plot than this one. Mm-hmm. And you know how my feelings of the Riverdale writing post-season one are. Uh, the writing's bad. But making your bones and becoming made mm-hmm. is like a big plot point in Riverdale season two. Yeah. And yet this is somehow dumber than season two of Riverdale. I'm going to try to give you the first couple scenes of this movie. We have first him talking to camera, introducing his YouTube video. Yes. Talking about how he did boat. Uh, then it's his first time whacking a guy. Mm-hmm. And it goes well, so then he's in. Then it's him in prison. Yeah, with like extensive plastic surgery issues. Yeah, well, because he has cancer. Yeah, but we don't really know what kind of cancer yet. Oh, I, I believe he says it's jaw cancer. It's throat cancer. Oh, uh, throat we cancer. We don't know what it is yet. Because he says... He says it later. And I have to include this as well. It's... Can you believe the way they bring me in here? Like I'm Hannibal the fucking cannibal or something. I got the trifecta. I got jaw, neck, and throat. They took my tit and they put it on my face. I only do one-arm push-ups because they took the whole chest muscle out. It's fucking butchers. My body betrayed me, John, but not my mind and not my heart. That'll never happen. I'm still here, John. I'm still motherfucking these guys every turn. 
up. What do you mean, so what's up? <laughs> um, I guess they're clearly trying to market Gotti as like, he's a, he's a bad, he's a badass. No. Got ourselves a badass over here. This sounds like he's from The Room. This whole, oh, hi, Mark. This whole movie sounds like it's from The Room. I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if this is The Room in 10 years. Oh, I don't know. Mm, maybe. It, it's, it's so incoherent, though. But it's loud, and it's violent, and it's funny in a lot of ways. Where yeah. it's not on purpose. I could see this becoming yeah, The maybe. Room. Uh, so... Because there were a few moments we had to pause because we were we laughing. Were laughing. And it was clearly not played for laughs. Mm-hmm. Like, this... I laughed harder during this movie than at any point during the Happy Time Murders. Pro- yeah. Um, and I actually did enjoy the Happy I Time Murders. I love the Happy Time Murders. I felt more during the Happy Time Murders than I did during this movie. Uh, so... <laughs> he He's talking to his son in prison. And his son is considering taking a plea deal. For what we don't know. For what we don't know. And uh, Gotti's like, hey, if you say you're innocent, I believe you. If you take this plea deal, deal, like, they're not going to let you go. And he's like, but I just want to see my family. I want to be able to provide. I want closure in this whole incident. I want to see my kids grow up. And then we cut to something else. Uh, We cut to a flashback of John Gotti and his children visiting, or, uh, John Gotti's wife and children visiting him in prison shortly before Halloween. At this point, I don't understand if the conceit of the movie is this is Gotti's YouTube channel and he's talking to us, or this is like him going through his life with his son to help his son make a decision about whether or not to take a plea deal. Right. Do you know? (laughs) Because I don't know. I think the movie thinks it's doing both. You can't. You can't do both. Well, I think the movie thinks it does. I know you can't. Uh, This is a common thread in this film is uh, conceits that are picked up Mm. and then dropped. And maybe they're brought back later, but not necessarily. Mm -hmm. Uh, At one point when he starts uh, introducing more characters, there is... Two or three scenes where who they are pops up on screen as like a uh, yeah, caption in front of them. Pipe. That only happens two or three times, and then there's a bunch of people we never figure out who they are. On top of that, it happens so late in the movie that we've already missed like six or seven characters. Yes, like I said, it's a conceit that's abruptly picked up and then dropped. It's just, oh, it's a mess. This film is a mess. Yes. And like... There, there's a sh- there's a moment in this film where a bunch of stuff is happening, and then they cut back, and they're in the prison scene again with yes. the sun. And the way the camera moves, and the way it's lit, it looks like the film Primer. Okay. And at this point, we had jumped so many times around the timeline that I was like, this feels like Primer. Like, I'm confused. <laughs> Time travel is happening, maybe? I don't know anyone's names. Like, it's it was utter madness. Yeah, in the movie, um, the sound design is actually kind of decent in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a lot of using songs to tell you what time period we're in. And it 
almost works. I... You're kidding. You have to be kidding. The sound design in this is miserable. No, I kind of like the sound design oh. in this. Oh, I kind of like... to have words. I mean, look, it's Pitbull. He's trying his best. Are you specifically <laughs> talking about the music here? The different songs they use? Yeah. Yes, because I think they do it... <laughs> no a, one can see that face. I had a rage me. stroke saying that the music in this film was good. I actually think the sound design does what it's trying to do in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, in certain ways, I think it's trying to set where it is in time. And it's occasionally effective. All right. Occasionally effective is... I, I would like to point damning out Damning with things. faint praise. Do you recall the part where he's in court and he's, he's deemed not guilty and it cuts to fireworks... And Pitbull's fireball plays? I didn't say they were all winners. (laughs) Can you find the part in your notes where a car explodes and you write, I think this song is by the Lonely Island? (laughs) I I don't need to look for it. I know where that is in my notes. Yeah, because that's a thing that we wrote down. We had an argument of whether or not it sounded like Lonely Island or the Flight of the Concords. Not good. Either way, it sounds like inner city pressure. Um... It also sounds like um, parts of Jizz in My Pants. Yeah. Um, that that actually should give you an idea what this song sounds like perfectly. Like, meld those two songs together. Again, not at work. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to this podcast at work. Yeah. If you're listening to this at work, you've probably already gotten fired. Yeah. Uh, h- how about the part where there's murders to Silent Night? Literally the most cliche Christmas carol to play during a murder? Was it Silent Night? Yeah, it was. Yeah. You're right. Well, it's not the only time they play a Christmas carol during a murder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true. So what was so good about it? <laughs> I thought they occasionally got the time period correct. Okay. Occasionally. Ooh. <laughs> to be fair, I made this note in the first ten minutes of the movie. Okay. A lot of this okay. hadn't gone real bad yet. We're going to jump around a lot because, hell, the movie did. Uh, yeah, one of the big issues with the movie that critics had and that I had was that it jumps around so much, you don't actually know where anybody is in time. No. And uh, John Jr. is played by the same actor throughout the film, which doesn't really help you very much. Nope. Because they don't do a good job of making him look substantially different from... Age to age, so he's 16, he's like in his 20s, and he's like 40 at the end. he's in his 40s. And he's played by the same 25-year-old dude for the entirety of it. And they, to make him look 40, they gave him the glasses they give a hot guy who's supposed to be a hacker in like... Yes! He's the guy in the van. (laughs) Yeah, like, think Chris Evans in The Losers... Uh, think Hayden Christensen anytime he has to play a smart yeah. guy. The Scarecrow. <laughs> no, he's objectively hot. Glasses <laughs> or no glasses. So, but, but one, Shout out to Shelley Snyder for Killian the, Murphy. The, there's one more thing about the sound design I have to talk about. Uh, Mr. Worldwide. It's not Mr. Worldwide. It's There's the scene where they are celebrating uh, the fact that uh, John Gotti got out of prison. His son sees a beautiful woman and says, excuse me, but if I don't say hello to you right now, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. 
Yeah. And she's like, you know who I am. We've met before. And she's like, I'm sorry, I'm stupid. And then we see her no more times in the film until their wedding. Correct. <laughs> and at their wedding, during the first dance, they dance to a song about how much the son loves his father. Well, I actually think that was a strong choice because it kind of sets up every time we've seen a funeral scene, every time Gotti mentions going to a lot of weddings, he's the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. Like everything's about him, including Mm. his son's wedding. Okay, okay. That's kind of, that's why he's the first one to get up and dance. Also, the bride and groom dancing alone for the entire song is a relatively recent construct. They used to only dance for part of the song, and then other couples came up and joined them. Mm. Uh, sometimes the wedding party, sometimes the families, sometimes all couples. Okay. Uh, but then with the wedding industry, every bride's like, no, me! Me now! Yeah. So, that song is like Little Pal or something. Okay, I can understand that maybe they were going for something. Yeah, there. I thought they were going for the, everything... Because, like, there's very little focus on Junior and Kimberly? Wife. Yeah, Junior and his wife, who I think is Kimberly. Uh, and If you got a name out of that, bless you. Uh, this is a common issue with the female characters in this movie. Uh, Gotti and his wife, Victoria, have two daughters. Mm-hmm. I will give you $5 if you can name either of them. I didn't know he had two daughters. <laughs> I, I can think of one scene that, that the two daughters are in where they're crying. But I have no idea who their the, the daughters are. They're in a few. Uh, they're in a few scenes. Um, they are Victoria and Angel. I would have never guessed those names. I might have guessed Victoria because it's also his wife's name. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I just Googled it. Because they're <laughs> never named in the movie. He has three sons... Um, Frankie. Yes, we gotta talk about Frankie. John Jr. Mm-hmm. And the other one. And the other one. And the ugly one. Yeah, and the, uh, Peter Gotti Jr. Who I have to... Okay, so I have the... I googled Gotti's children just now. Yeah. And there is a picture of John A. Gotti, who is John Jr. Yes. There is a picture of Victoria Gotti. There is a picture of Frankie Gotti's grave. Mm-hmm. There is a picture of Angel Gotti... And then Peter Gotti is literally, like, the you-don't-have-a-profile-picture Facebook picture. <laughs> so that tells you how important he was to this film, or just in general, I guess. Yeah. Poor Peter Gotti. Uh, so, Freddy. Hashtag justice for Peter. Freddy? Frankie? Freddy? Frankie? Frankie. Frankie, uh, we gotta talk about what happens to him. And here, here's the thing. This is a very prolonged scene. So first we have a scene with Frankie... But before we even get to that, it's a scene of, we're back in the prison. Right. And uh, Johnny Jr. is like, I got to be there with my family. I want to be there to provide. And Gotti says, be there with your family. Be there to provide. Do I got to say it? Do I even got to say it? And then it cuts to a scene where... Frankie's afraid of the dark. Yeah, they're sending John Jr. to military school. Right. It's like apparently a prestigious military school. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he shares a room with his little brother, mm-hmm. who is now afraid to sleep alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, they 
John Gotti says that, like, you can sleep with the lights on. Victoria's like, no, turn the lights off. But John Gotti says his son can sleep with the lights on. Initially, before this story shook out, I thought this was there to kind of humanize Gotti because we're still in about the first third of the film. Yeah. So I was like, oh, they're trying to, you know, paint Gotti as the family man. Mm -hmm. And he cares what his kids are for Halloween. He cares that his son's afraid of the dark. But really, this is just so we remember Frankie exists. Yeah. Because... Here's the, the, the point I was kind of hunting towards was Gotti says, do I even have to say it? And then it cuts to the scene of uh, Frankie in the dark. What's the thing that he has to say? Is it, yo, your brother died? Because that's not helpful for whatever situation they're talking about. Yeah. So actually right after that, we cut to... A scene that cuts between three scenes. Mm -hmm. It's Frankie riding his bike in the street. Yeah. A car. Just a guy driving his Mm -hmm. car that we don't know. And a pastoral scene of the Gotti's preparing Sunday dinner. Yeah. You know, just the classic, you know, Italian family. Sunday night's family night. Yeah, making, you know, Sunday gravy, I believe, would Mm -hmm. be the term. Um for anyone not from this area, that would be marinara sauce. Yes. Um, so, we then, like, see a agonizingly long scene mm-hmm. cutting between these three things. Like, we know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's like, oh, that kid's dead. Oh, he's going to get hit by that car. And it's just, it's so long. It is super long. And, like- and especially because the sudden brutality of what happens is supposed to be the jarring aspect Mm-hmm. Like, when a child dies in that fashion, part of the main grief about it is that it's sudden and brutal and everyone's kind of just blindsided. Instead, this is a very long setup to this. Because I actually said, ooh, they're going to kill a kid. Come on, director. Do something amazing to show this kid getting killed. And it was the front of a car in The Sound of Brakes. And it's like, oh, that's the thing everybody does. I mean, I I think the movie was already violent enough without, like, anything graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, like, it's it's remarkably unspecial and remarkably unimpactful. Because on top of that, they, like, run out to the kid and they show him laying there and he's, like, moving and stuff. I mean, so he just didn't die instantly. Yeah, but like... I mean, the next time we see them, we're, they're in the hospital. So oh, I, I we establish you. he doesn't die immediately. But it's not like a, ooh, I'm in pain. It's not a, like, I'm loopy. He's not completely unconscious. It's just kind of like, meh, meh. <laughs> Like, that was the best take you had? Was him just kind of like T-Rex arming? I mean... This was probably a 10-year-old. I'm not going to be too hard on him. Use a body. Like, like use a dummy. Like, because this was dumb. Like, he's looking around at shit. I mean, I, I'm trying to be sensitive because this was a real person who died and... Oh, it's sad that this kid died. Don't get me wrong. But you have a hundred people working on a movie. There's the actor, there's the director, there's the editor. You could have fixed it so it didn't look like a kid was laying on the ground bored. 
I, I think a better way to show it would have actually been uh, the, to hear the accident from inside the Gotti house. Yeah. To see kind of that... The cliche is always impact and you see the birds. Yes. It might be interesting to see the impact is the entire rest of the Gotti family stops what they're doing with their Sunday dinner. Mm. And... And then Victoria realizes it's her son. Yeah, I mean, she does, like, look out the window and sees the people run. Right. And, like, honest, if I was the editor, if I was the director, I would have had her run out and then cut to the hospital. Yeah, I mean, we didn't need... Because that shot is bad. It's a bad shot. It's also just, like, a little unnecessary. Like a lot of the things in this movie, it treats the viewer as being very dumb. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that we could have discerned that he was hit by the car because they spend almost five minutes telegraphing it. Yeah. The only thing that 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 shot of him on the ground like gives us is the driver says the sun was in my eyes. Right. And I believe it's at this point that I looked at you and said, "Who directed this?" And it's um, Turtle from Entourage. It totally seems like this movie would be perfect as an in-universe movie for Entourage as made by Turtle. Like, yo, I'm going to make a movie. It's going to be a biopic on Gotti, but I'm going to make him this badass. And it's going to have Pitbull as the soundtrack. And it's going to make him look so tough the whole time. Oh, excuse me. He's not Turtle. He's Eric. Still. Turtle is a different guy. (laughs) Still, that being said, it seems like a guy from Entourage made this movie. He's the boring guy from Entourage. Oh, damn. Um, It makes more sense that it was Turtle. Yeah, it's not Turtle or Johnny Drama. If this was Johnny Drama, I'd be like, this makes sense. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, the... The, the they cut to the hospital and they do this like very artistic shot where Gotti's by himself and the family's all together and they're separated by a wall and the doctor comes out and shakes his head we don't hear what he says he just shakes his head puts a hand on his shoulder and then the direction is John Travolta we need you to show that you're sad so he Bites his fist. And we explode with laughter. Oh yeah, this is when we had to... Uh. (laughs) Oh, it was not good. This this is where I start pretending that this movie is a sequel to Grease. And this is just Danny Zuko. Oh, and the song... The song is really overwrought. Is it? I forget what it is. It's like an overwrought 70s song. It doesn't really fit the moment very well. Mm -hmm. And... We see this almost split screen because we see the divide with the wall and Gotti's in focus. His wife and daughters are out of focus in the background of a shot with Angelo, his best friend, who is important, yes. pacing in front of him. Yes, we haven't talked much about Angelo yet, but we will. Really, at this point, all you need to know is Angelo and Gotti are best friends. Yes. All right, we're done. That's pretty much all you need to hear. I mean, we'll get to more in the plot. Yeah. So... Uh, Frankie's re- or Frankie has passed. Gotti's real upset, but he's got to get the family to move on. We have this like we have this scene where uh, Junior comes home from military school, and like his dad embraces him and says like Be strong for your mother." 
Yes. And then we see Junior unable to sleep in the room that he and his little brother shared. And he comes down the stairs to his father hysterically crying. Yes. Which is another thing where they're trying to humanize Gotti as a family man. Yes. I, I feel like they did a terrible job humanizing Gotti because, like, he kills two people in the very beginning of the movie. One of which whose face we never see. Mm-hmm. Like, so we don't even know why he's getting killed. And, like, anytime they, they try to humanize him, they dehumanize him immediately. Right. Because there's a scene where someone comes up to him and is like, I'm not working out anymore. Tully's is closed. And he's like, Tully's is reopened. I just did that. I'm John Gotti. But and we don't ever see Tully's reopen? We don't ever see it happen. And then they hug. And it's like, oh, look, it's Gotti doing good for the community. He takes two steps forward and says... I want you to tell that guy that I will decapitate him. Not the guy he just talked to, but it's, yeah. he's talking about a different guy. Yeah, he just immediately goes back to planning a vicious murder. And it's like, oh, well, nah. I think we're supposed to think he's a little better because both of the murders we've seen at this point, he has left a bystander alive. Yeah. Which is fascinating to me. Um, yeah, you're right. In the you're- first one, he leaves the bartender alive. Mm-hmm. And in the second one, he leaves the guy's mistress alive. Yeah, yeah, or a prostitute, perhaps. I mean, why are you assuming she's a sex worker? I'm assuming it because when they come in, mm-hmm. uh, Gotti tells her to shush, and she says nothing. If she cared at all about the man in the shower, she would have cared that he was being killed. Oh, you you overestimate uh, what people will do to spare their own lives. Mistress? Might she not. doesn't even look scared. <laughs> she does. She's like, oh, oh, people are coming in. Oh, they have guns. I'm just going to cover myself with my blanket. I mean, how uh, how aware are you going to be if somebody walks in while you're still naked in bed? You know? That's just how I read it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But they're in a seedy motel. Yeah. You know, where one might meet a mistress. Okay. <laughs> so... I I put, oh, the scene in Frankie's bedroom is so that we remember he had multiple kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, Gotti's reaction, his line about his son's death. Oh my God, yeah, this is a super upsetting line. We're going to play that right now. John, we can't know why God lets these things happen, but there has to be a reason. A reason for these things. He was 12 years old. He didn't have hair on his prick. There ain't no fucking reason. There ain't no fucking God. Don't say another word. What? Why would why would that be what you said about yeah. your dead child? He's 12, and like, I'm no doctor. But you might... I had hair at 12, so that kind of sounds like he checked. That's not the thing I find upsetting about that. Like, you could be like, oh my God, he was 12. He never made it to high school. He never got his first kiss. He never... Yeah. You know, he never got to go to college. All of these, like, really innocent milestones that's okay for a parent to talk about. Yeah. I'll never see him get married. I'll never see him, Yeah. No, you know, that's get not kid. what he went with. Yeah, no. Blech. It's super gross. I, like, so much, every line that Gotti says is, like, unnecessarily disgusting. Yeah. Like, it's always filled with profanity and, like... I, I don't. Maybe it's because I come from a place of stand-up comedy, 
where if you use too much profanity, it just shows that you're not a great comedian. Right. Like, those are things that if you're going to swear, swear with purpose. And he never does. And, like, John Travolta never gets to the point where he's doing an impression of Gotti. Because an impression is an exaggeration of certain uh, elements. He never embodies Gotti. Right. He's always just kind of doing this over-the-top impression of He's always John Travolta being Gotti. Yes. It's, uh it's a bad time. Yeah. So after that line, uh, well, I'm trying to think of something else I can remember that's important. I made a comment at this point in my notes. Every cultural touchstone they attempt to use is weird and, like, would need to be Googled. Yeah. Like, he's like, what's that movie you like? With spaghetti. I don't know. Uh, meatballs. So he's trying to use meatballs as a cultural touchstone. That's not the movie I would think of. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, 1979 was not exactly a banner year for films. And I'm, I'm looking at the top ten films of the year, and to be fair... It would be hard to find one that a kid would see outside of the Muppet movie. Yeah, and I could see them not wanting to bring up Muppets because Disney wouldn't be happy about that. Because Disney loves suing people. Yeah. So, uh, I guess the next thing that we should talk about is he plans a hit on Paul, who is the leader of the family. No, the next thing he does is uh, he takes his family to Florida. To see her family to help clear their heads. And then, while they're away, the guy who hit Frankie is mysteriously murdered. See, I had major problem with this. Because we're supposed to be humanizing uh, Gotti here in that he loved his son. Right. And, like, there's... Like, it's trying to get you to almost understand why it's okay... To kill this innocent man who made a mistake. Right. And what they do is they show a police report. Or or a a reporter saying, uh, the owner of this diner saw a bunch of men come out and club this man and throw him in a trunk to kill him. Mm -hmm. Uh, The diner owner reported this and then rescinded it after a group of mobsters came and stared at him for an entire day. Right. After that, he rescinded his comments, said he never saw it, and sold the diner and moved away. Yes. So, the guy who owned the diner is getting his life destroyed for no reason other than the sloppiness of the mobsters. Right. The same way that the son died because of the sloppiness of the driver. So you've lost any credibility of like, no, this is just justice. Because yet another innocent person is ruined for no reason. Yeah. So this is about our third Christmas scene. The other three have not been, or the other two have not been important. But this one is. Because uh, Gotti and Angelo have had a conversation about how they don't like who's currently running the family. Paul. Gotti has had a conversation about how he doesn't like anybody. Yeah, continue. He doesn't, but like... Mm -hmm. They're not important right now. Uh, so they're having a... They're they're orchestrating a hit on Paul. Right. And pretty much everyone in the car with him. Yes, they're going to hit Paul and they're going to hit everyone he's with and leave no witnesses. 
other than those doing their Christmas shopping, which is something he says specifically. Yeah, it's a very weird thing. It's in Midtown Manhattan, uh, not in broad daylight, but like early evening. Like they say this is reservation to eight or something. I, I believe it's at six. Yeah, so he's reservations like in the early evening. Mm-hmm. And like Manhattan's not a great place right at this point. Midtown Manhattan is not what it is right now. Right. Uh, Midtown Manhattan actually used to be very dangerous and perceived as very dangerous. Huh. Uh, Pre-Giuliani, I believe, there was this very, like, seedy, before it was very Disney, very corporate, very Broadway, it was much more, um, much, there was a lot of crime. I I actually um, teach a lesson on this. Okay. When I teach Watchmen. Okay. About what New York was at that time. Okay, it wasn't a great place. No, it, I mean, this part of New York was not the essential whitewashed Disney World corporate bright lights big city that it is today. Okay. That being said, I think this was still like, wow, sure were a lot of witnesses. Yeah. Hanging around. I mean, while all these guys get shot in the face, the the way they get away with it is they all wear like those big Russian hats. Yeah, because they actually say like all they're gonna remember is these wacky hats. Yeah, and then that's the plan, and it works, which is kind of silly. Yeah. Oh, we got these wacky hats. Like this sounds like um, that something Boris and Natasha would do to get Moose and Squirrel. Yeah, kind of. Like we will wear these Russian hats, Natasha. Yeah, they'll never recognize us. So they kill Paul, and someone has to now be in charge of the families. And, and because it's Gotti's movie, it's Gotti. And it's Gotti. And everyone's super happy about it, except for like two or three people who are upset Paul is dead. Uh, but apparently, like. They... And then we get another, like, newsreel. We got one in the beginning, but we use a lot of old 70s and 80s news footage. Yeah. Peppered in with magazine covers with Travolta's face badly photoshopped yeah, in. Yeah, there's there's three ways they do the news footage. It's either new footage that they filmed, old footage that from the actual like news reports on Gotti, or actual news reports on Gotti with John Travolta shopped in. I mean, the second and the third are the same thing. We never see the real faces of anyone we do occasionally like towards the end we start to and it's really jarring yeah because they don't well toward the end we do but at this point we really have only seen but they're using like archival footage of like tom brokaw yeah and then with john travolta's face yeah like badly digitized in this movie only had a budget of about 10 million dollars wow uh this was a passion project for john travolta Oh, I was about to say how far Travolta has fallen, because I wouldn't think he would get, you know, he would do a movie for cheap. No, he wanted to do this movie that badly. This was his passion project. Uh, His real wife plays Victoria. Huh. Okay. Interesting. You know, his last passion project was Battlefield Earth, right? Yeah, his passion products don't seem to be doing that great. Yeah. Maybe, maybe do some more musicals, John Travolta. Yeah, it seems on. to be working out for you better. Yeah. So yeah, they kill Paul. He becomes the head of the, the crime family. And we see two other guys who... I Maybe they got names. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Because we jump around the timeline We so jump much. around the timeline a lot, and it's so many 
men wearing suits that we only see once. Mm-hmm. That you only really remember important ones like Sammy the Bull. Yeah. And Angelo. And they talk about how they know Gotti arranged Paul's death and they say it can't go unchecked. And then they are promptly killed in a car bomb. Yes. Making this two for two on car bombs in the Razzies this yeah. year. There's a lot of car bombs in the Razzies. And this is when we see uh, the song that sounds like the Lonely Island or Fled the Concords. Yes. Uh, now, there, there, a hit goes out on, I believe, Gas Pipe. Yeah. And uh, Gas Pipe survives it, hangs the guy up in chains, and forces a confession that it came from Angelo. Right. Who is Gotti's friend. Right. Uh, and Gotti essentially, uh, for want of a better term, grounds him. Well, the the rest of the families want to kill him. And right. Gotti's like, no, Angelo's like, my brother. So what they do is they put him on the shelf for life. Mm-hmm. Which means that he's not allowed to be in the mob anymore. Right. Right? Okay. Is it me, or at the beginning of this film, were we told that the only way out was prison, or death, or time out forever? That's three ways you get out of this life. I mean, he got grounded. <laughs> no, but this is kind of a big deal. Is the fact that he the reason his punishment is he had to stop being in the mob <laughs> where everyone's murdering each other. Like, it's not there's no scene where he's like, "Well, here's all the stock I have in mafia back." He though he's still in his house. Like, that's the best case scenario I can think of. You done? Can you argue with me? I I wasn't trying to. I'm just, like, it super bothers me. Um, yeah, this, I I can't believe, you can't believe this movie's not well written. Like, I can't believe that you're still, like, surprised. I believe it? It doesn't mean it's less upsetting. So then we see... Old Gotti and Junior, we see Gotti go to trial and be found not guilty. Uh, walk like an Egyptian plays so that we know it's the 80s. Yes. Um, we don't even know what Gotti's been indicted for at that time. And then uh, we see a third Christmas Eve scene. It's always Christmas. Or maybe a fourth. Yeah. Literally in my notes, I'm not even sure. Or the same one. We have no idea. No, they are different. <laughs> we do see substantial differences and. Uh, so then John Jr. is led by two other guys, who maybe we know, I don't, to, like, the Council of Elders. Yes. In the Mafia. And he takes a blood oath, and then is led to his father and introduced as his new soldier. Yes. I would like to stress, because this will come up later in the planned freakout section of this movie, that he says, this is the proudest moment Of my life. Yep, he does say that. Continue, Lara. Okay. Um, So then the next thing we see is that about a year later, Angelo has died of cancer. Gotti thinks he has died of a broken heart. Yes. And Gotti, like, talks to Angelo's grave about how he messed up. No, he doesn't. What he said... Well... He does say, you messed up. Yeah, he... he, Yeah, I just want to clarify. it's, It's not Gotti saying he messed up. It's him telling Angelo that he messed up. Right. So it's, hey, I know you're dead, 
but you're still wrong, and I'm not sorry. Later. Yeah, I mean, that's what I meant. I was not saying... I just wanted to clarify. Okay. Um, we're going to turn the hostility down just a little. I will try. <laughs> uh, and then we cut to the Plaza Hotel. I figured out this was, like, probably the year Home Alone 2 was shot. We do not see Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, we do not see Donald Trump or Macaulay Culkin or uh, 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 Rob Schneider. Uh, or Tim Curry, which or Tim Curry is a shame. Great. What, it would have been an amazing bit to just have, like, Macaulay Culkin. Like, today Macaulay Culkin being chased by t- today's Rob Schneider just in the background. Uh, oh, it's, it's Home Alone 2. That would have been an amazing thing that I, I totally get why they didn't do, because it would be very distracting. <laughs> but at the same time, it would have been really funny. Um, it's Junior's wedding. Yes, it's Junior's wedding. This he is... marries the young lady we met mm-hmm. an hour ago in a brief scene. Yes. And this is where my little pal plays. Yeah, and I actually write, man, God, he was the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. Uh, and then... And then we kind of, like, crash course to the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Sammy the Bull has bugged Gotti. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has tapes. Uh, John Gotti is sentenced to five life sentences. He dies of cancer in jail. And then we see this, like, giant motorcade and people watching who salute his casket. There are flowers everywhere. And we see, like, testimonials from his supporters mm-hmm. who allege he kept the neighborhood safe. And we see weird shopped-in stuff of Travolta. And then we go to Junior's trial. And Victoria has a temper tantrum in the courtroom about how they're going after her son the way they went after her husband. Yes. Something that would have gotten her thrown out before she got more than six words out. Yeah, like, (laughs) she really does fly off the handle. And I don't think this would have held up in court. Not at all. And then, um... Junior is acquitted. Oh, excuse me. Um, Gotti goes back to narrating from the grave. Yes. And then uh, the postscript is how uh, Junior is actually acquitted of all charges because they couldn't find enough Mm -hmm. to pin to him. But in trying to pin things on Junior, they let a bunch of violent criminals out in the streets who took plea deals, which the movie makes sure to tell us. Yes. I want to just talk real quick about th- how this movie portrays Gotti Jr. Okay. Uh, because I believe you did some research about his involvement in the film. Yes. Uh, the film was actually originally titled uh, Gotti in the Shadow of My Father. Really? That makes a lot of sense. So it was really always a movie about Junior and his father. Because it's really his film. Mm-hmm. So I want to just real quick go uh, through... Al Pacino was supposed to be Gotti, and uh, Ben Foster, who you know is Angel from X-Men The Last Stand, was supposed to be uh, John Jr., and Lindsay Lohan was supposed to be Victoria. Oh. Now think about that. Lindsay Lohan, who's at this point might have been 30, yeah, but probably wasn't, was going to play the wife of Al Pacino. Oh, my God. Oh, excuse me. Lindsay's 30 now. Oh, my God. (laughs) She's 32 right now. She's a little older than me, which means at that point, she would have been uh, roughly 
25. Yes, and Albertino, I believe, is 108. Based on how he looks and sounds. Uh, Al Pacino is 78, which means he would have been 70. She would have been I can't th- believe I was only off by 30 years with my joke answer. So we would have had the situation of she is 25 and he is 70. And they would have been playing a married couple. Yes. Who were not that far away from each other in age. Yeah, she's young enough to be his granddaughter. Yeah, like... So, let me just... Oh, man, that information is just is killing me right now. How long did it take for this movie to get made? Uh, eight years. Jeez. Should have took some more time. Uh, so, the the story that they kind of try to tell of uh, John Gotti Jr. Mm-hmm. is uh, he's growing up. Uh, he's, he's getting straight A's. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't want to go to college. Right. So, because he kind of wants to hang out, because the line is like, "You what? You want to hang out with me?" And he and Junior doesn't respond, mm-hmm. and Gotti just kind of kisses him on the forehead. So that's him kind of being like, "Yeah, I want to get in the business." Yeah. He then goes to like a military academy. He gets into a fist fight because someone he speaks bad about his father. Right. And his father says to him, "You show up." Yeah, I'd say so. Stood your ground, right? You didn't back off. Good. Never do that. Never take a backward step. Do you know what that is? That phrase, never take a step backwards? Isn't that what they tell baby faces in wrestling? Yeah, that's what that's the golden rule for baby faces in professional wrestling. Is baby faces don't take a step backwards because that's showing fear. That that is what we're going for here, is that. John Gotti Jr. is the baby face we're supposed to be cheering for here. All right? And he's always kind of like looking up to his father, following his father. He wants to basically be his father. He And then they get to uh, this courtroom scene at the end. Right. Where they say, this is John Gotti Jr. Taxpayer money has been paid to try to keep him in prison. Mm-hmm. He's paid for his sins. He's trying to walk away from this life. Right. Let him walk away. It's time. Let him walk away. And then they let him out of prison. Two major problems. Okay. If John Gotti Jr. had something to do with this film, mm-hmm. then he included the part where he says joining the mafia is the proudest moment of his life. So, he's guilty. Okay. Because that's him saying, like, I'm proud to be doing the things that the mafia does. Okay. So, they go through this, like, weird rigmarole to make sure that we never really get what he's going to jail for. Like, we don't know what the charges are. Yeah, I mean, John Gotti Jr. does have criticisms about this film. Oh, oh, I'd love to hear these criticisms. He felt the movie was too short. (laughs) Uh, He felt it should have been a ten-part series. (laughs) And he was also upset that the movie was uh, so low budget. Mm -hmm. Because he felt that it deserved a higher budget. Mm -hmm. And he uh, did like Travolta's uh, appearance. 
Okay. Or he did like Travolta's uh, performance, but he said that uh, Travolta overreacted sometimes that weren't in his father's personality. Right. Um, here, here, here's my other issue, though, with that happening, right? Mm-hmm. The end of the movie is supposed to almost be like... They do mention that, like, all the criminals that got let out on the street to testify against uh, John Gotti Jr. But the end message is John Gotti Jr. is a good man. Right. He's walked away from the life mm-hmm. and now is an upstanding citizen. You know what that's not? Hmm. Prison or death. This is a fourth way out of the life. You can either go to prison, you can die, you can get put on the shelf for life, or you can just not do it anymore. The opening line is a lie. And he did fourth. It's ridiculous how badly written this film is. I mean, this had some really big issues. They were supposed to release this December 15th, 2017. This was supposed to be a 2017 release. Okay. Uh, But they kind of ended up with this issue of Lionsgate just decided to not do it. Lionsgate was like, nah, how do you feel about direct-to-DVD? Did Um, this not get a theatrical release? Stay with me. Okay. It was supposed to get a limited and VOD release, uh, but the producers bought the rights back from Lionsgate, kind of being like, no, we'd like to get it a real release. So then in March 2018, they got that, and then in June, it actually did have a theatrical run. Okay. Right. It was not in theaters for very long, from what I understand. I'm guessing it did not do very well. Um, I'm going to look up the box office mojo for it right now. All right. Okay, so on a $10 million budget, uh, it made, in its opening weekend, $1.7 And it was only in theaters for 39 days. Wow. And it made $4.3 million in its total run. So not even half its budget. Not even half its budget. Not even half of its fairly low budget. Yeah. So, and uh, they kind of did a big marketing blitz about the 0% Rotten Tomatoes rating. About how, like, it's the movie critics don't want you to see. Oh, yeah. Um, they did not screen this film for critics. <laughs> okay. That so. Uh, by the time Rotten Tomatoes got to it, it was in release because they didn't do a critical screening because it wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. I mean, that's a uh, big... It's actually a TV trope, not screened for critics. Yeah. And, like, there's not a lot of good movies in there. No. Turns out. No. It's because they know it's bad. I think the big thing with this movie is the wild inconsistency. Yeah, I like I don't understand what it's trying to do because like with a mafia movie there's really two directions you can go. You can do he's really a good person but he got mixed up in the mob. Right. Which they do not do in this film. Cuz they don't show him doing anything good and everything he does in the mob he is ruthless and enjoys. Right. 
The other way you can kind of do it is the mob is takes a certain type of ruthless person, but it's a brotherhood. It's a brotherhood. Okay. There are rules, and it's about respect. They also don't do this in this movie because John Gotti hates everyone, yeah. breaks all the rules, kills all the people he's not supposed to kill because of his lust for power. Right. So I don't know why we're supposed to like him. Because at the end, uh, when Gotti goes to prison, they talk about how his supporters start like rebelling and flipping cars because he's such a good person. But we literally never see that. Yeah. So, like, by the end of this movie, I don't know what he did that was good. We are we are told but not shown that he was really helpful to the community. Yeah. I, I, I can't name a thing he did that was good. But at the same time, I can't name a thing that he did was bad. Because he only killed people in the mob. So, like... I mean, he arranged for the guy who hit his son to die. The, they kind of explicitly show him saying not to do it. There's like a moment where like he could have been like, accidents happen or something like that. But they're also trying to justify that as a righteous kill because he killed a child. Okay. Like, we never know why he's going to jail. Right. Like, what did he do? Or not do. That was proved Dino not guilty. There's, we At the end of this biopic on Gotti, I feel like I didn't learn anything about him. Yeah, I mean, we know he really likes swear words. Mm-hmm. We know that. Yeah. That's a big thing. And one of the only things we know about him. Um, we know that he loved his family. Uh, but we don't... It's a really interesting thing to me that we knew nothing about his other children. Like, I don't believe the sisters even have lines. No, I don't think they do. Like, I don't think the actresses who play his sisters ever speak. So this is a very interesting, like, outside of his mother, outside of uh, Gotti's wife, Junior's mother, there are very, there are almost no female speaking roles in this movie. No, there really isn't. Yeah, I'm looking through here, and there really aren't. Because the top-billed woman is uh, Victoria, his wife. Right. And then the next two billed women are the sisters, who don't speak. Yes. And then, I guess, like, Junior's wife, and then I think after that would be, like, news reporter. Yeah, after that is Kim. I did get her name right. And then the children who played... Uh, the sisters as young children who were in one scene. And then we hit, like, nurses and barmaid. Yeah, there's not a lot of women in this film. No, there really aren't. Uh, so any other uh, bits of trivia that you found in your research that you wanted to bring to light? So, um, Angelo was supposed to be Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci gained 30 pounds for the role. Really? Wow. And then they kind of cut the part down and cut his salary. And so he left acrimoniously with the film. Huh. I think Angelo was in a Saw movie. 
I have the IMDb page up. Uh, he is known for Identity. Identity. That's how I know him. He was also in Bird Box. Oh. I he think... was Rick in Bird Box. I think he was the guy who dies in the river. He's also Ray in Stranger Things. But, like, I had this this memory of the guy who played Angelo in, like, an asylum. That's why I thought it was Saul. But now I realize it's Identity. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly. All right, all right, cool. I mean, looking, he's been working steadily for 30 years. He is clearly, like, he's a big Hey That Guy actor. I thought he was in Saw 4, but I'm thinking of someone else. Yes, because he was in Identity. I'm trying to look up the track listing, because I know you had a request for uh, what the end of the show would be. I'm sorry? You had a uh, request for the end of this show. For uh, what the soundtrack. You wanted me to read the lyrics to the Pitbull song. Oh, I do want you to read the lyrics to the Pitbull song really bad. Because, like, on top of everything, this song is Pitbull trying to win an Oscar. Yep. For best original song. And it's, oh, oh, you guys are in for a treat, guys. Take it away, Miss Prince. Uh, oh well, let's uh, let's let's talk about what we're gonna do next week. All right, all right. We guess we're gonna save it a little bit. Uh, so yeah, we're in a bit of a weird situation in that we thought Winchester was available online, but it is not. No, it's not on Netflix or Amazon, and I haven't been able to find it in Redbox. And we've been trying to spend less than five dollars on these movies because yes. they're not. Uh, that being said, because Robin Hood doesn't come out. For another couple days. Yeah, Robin Hood comes out on the 19th. Uh, Winchester should still be what we watch next week. Yeah. So if anybody has a copy of it, we can borrow. (laughs) Yeah, please. Because they took it off Netflix. Yeah, that's very annoying. Uh, But we're going to try to get our hands on that. Unless by some miracle, Holmes and Watson lands in our lap. Uh, We'll probably be doing Winchester next week. Uh, So... We didn't give this a stay doomed or a stay tuned. Oh, do we still need to? Uh, I think, it, I mean, it's a stay doomed for me, but I do think this is a good drinking with your friends MST3K movie. Definitely. There, there are definitely some moments that will get some laughs. There's definitely a few moments where you could throw in some zingers because there's, there's a good chunk of silence that shows up every now and then. Uh it's a good movie to make fun of. It's fun bad. It is definitely fun bad. Yeah, it does hit that point where, like, it's pretty fun. It's very, very silly. I want to point out, um, on the soundtrack, the song Give Me Everything does appear by Pitbull, uh, which has a line, got me locked up like Lindsay Lohan. Which is a <laughs> nice, like... Yeah, it's like an Easter egg for those who know the the lore behind the Gotti film. Uh, so, where can people find us? Oh man, uh, people can find us on Twitter or Facebook at Stay Doomed, or they can email us at the Stay Doomed Show and, at uh, gmail dot com. And uh, say, say the website again or the Gmail account again, please. Or you can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com. And if you want to talk to me about the four ways you can get out of the life, I'm at TV's Noah on Twitter. 
if you want to do extensive borderline weird research on the development of this film, I'm at Priorities. Where can people see us live? People can see us live on March 22nd through 24th at ZenkaiCon in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We will be doing Beyond the Tentacle, Fit to be Hentied, our stand-up comedy, and then we will be doing Walt Disney's America, which is about the depictions of Americana through the works of Walt Disney, and Stay Doomed Live! Stay Doomed Live! Thank you, Pitbull. Um, Stay Doomed Live, which will be a live version of the show. It will not be a podcast recording. It's going to be about what we've learned and how to tell if your favorite show isn't going to make it to season two. And now, a dramatic reading of the original song by Pitbull from the film Got It. They're dying to kill and living to die. Snub nose, headshots, if you touch anything that's mine. Respect, loyalty, Dan la vida por la familia. They live for the honor. They'll kill for the honor. They'll die for the honor. Wise guys, take life from the box. Look judge in the eyes. Put they hand on the Bible and lie to you, only to leave something to the coroner. From the law, from the feds. Beep. Cops. Pop, pop. Catch you at your favorite spot. Well-dressed little men, but dangerous. Go-getters, hustlers, gangsters. Everything organized, and if they hit us, it's a prize. One to the heart and two to the brain. Looks like he lost his mind. Let's ride. There's rules and codes. You don't break them for no one. Unless you're a fool. Like that beeping prick, Sammy the Bull. (laughs) It's going down. I'm I'm yelling timber. timber. You better move. You better dance. From nothing to something, scum to thugs, thugs to gangster, gangster to mobs, to no pot to piss in, the pasta and lobster. I'm a rock star. It's going down. I'm I'm yelling timber. timber. You You better better move. move. You You better better dance. dance. Um, All right. Until next time, stay tuned.